Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Sebastian, it's icy outside. Watch your step. Oh man, I was uh, I was peeling ice off of my car this morning so my wife could uh, take my kid to the doctor because she's had an ear infection. And uh, holy moly, was it uh, icy! Um, I'm excited for the fact that we get to play somewhat like snow soccer tomorrow. I'm not looking forward to it if it's icy. <laughs> uh, I'm all for it, but I don't know. I don't know if the style of play suits playing on ice. <laughs> I, I mean, we'll see. Uh, so we're hosting a coaching course tomorrow uh, or two coaching courses. Uh, part of this blended new format that U.S. soccer is doing. So we have a 7v7 and an 11v11 grassroots coaching courses um, with some uh, with pretty much an all star cast of like, uh, you know, coaches that are taking these courses, which is pretty fun. So like Coach Kyle is going to be there uh, taking the course. Um so that I'm excited. Coach I'm, Kyle is taking the course. Coach Kyle, yeah, Coach Kyle has to take the course because he has all the uh, what used to be the NSCAA, uh, which is now United Soccer uh, Coaches. He's got like all the diplomas you can get from there, but those don't translate into U.S. Soccer. So he's he wants to get his U.S. Soccer uh, one. So yeah, so Coach uh, Kyle is a little man on the totem pole. Coach Kyle's <laughs> by the most overqualified like grassroots coaching candidate ever. Uh, but pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we do a like, good job as a staff, just preparing our coaches for yeah. these, for these courses. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, for him, you should fly by. Well, and we also got some players that are going to be on there too. That's going to be pretty exciting. Pretty cool. Um, you yeah. Know. I had a co- couple conversations with some of the players just, you know, they were asking what, what is this? Like, what do I, what am what I going to expect? Right. Yeah. I was just like, you know, you've been doing training sessions with us. Go back and think about what our training sessions look like. And, you know, obviously their model is going to be a little bit more simplified. Mm-hmm. Think about our training sessions and think about, you know, what some of your coaches do. It's going to be the same exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then we got our 2011 and 2012 girls being the demo team for the for the 7v7 course. And then we have our 2008 girls being the demo team for the 11 v 11 course. Good luck for whoever gets selected to do the play practice play for the 2008 girls. <laughs> Why? Good luck. Why? Cause you gotta, you gotta deal with all that. My team is fine with that. Oh man. They're coached by you. So what, you what throw, do you, you can't throw chairs in a coaching course. <laughs> I don't throw chairs anymore. <laughs> I mean, I think I think if anything, they're going to be like super critical of whoever coaches them. Well, actually, no, this should be very nice. I I've trained my or or we we talk about this all the time about the idea if I'm not there that someone else is coaching them, like they should be fine. You've coached them before, and they're super receptive to whenever you coach them. I mean, yeah, they yeah. I mean, there was a time where I guess one of you guys were running late, and they you know came up to me, asked me for some code, just started warming themselves up. So yeah, I should give them a little bit more credit. Yeah, they'll be fine. They'll be all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, they'll be all right. So um, so yeah, so that's that was that's good. And then last weekend we um, you know, last or Monday actually last weekend it was five four days ago. Uh, on Monday we were down. We were up at Hokessen with a play day with the 2011 2012 boys, 2011 2012 girls, and then the 2010 girls and 2008 girls had scrimmages all against Hokessen. It was, it was just start scheduling my play days and scrimmages on the same day as you. Yeah. Because it seems like every time I schedule them on my own, I run into weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you ran into some bad weather. Now, granted, it was cold, but but we made it, we we pulled it through. Um, it, was, it was cold is an understatement. It was fun. All, all of our teams did did really well. They it was good to you know I was trying to do the math of when the last time the 2010 girls actually had a nine v nine game, and it was probably like three months ago. So for them to be able to to get out there and play was it was fun. They they did a fantastic job. The OA girls did a really good job. The and the younger kids did really well as well. So um, overall it was it was great. You know, big thank you to Hokessen for for hosting it. It was we had a good time. Well, it's good to be back out there, right? Even though it's yeah. very cold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and if you're out and about, you know, hopefully you're doing it safely. But at the same time, um, if you checked out our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash Delaware Union. Uh, or Instagram, 
Delaware Union Soccer or Twitter at DE Union Soccer. But if you check out our Facebook page, you would find that we have given everybody a Dick's Sporting Goods coupon this week. Um, so, you know, we got $10 off of cleats or athletic footwear, uh, 15% off of any athletic or outdoor apparel item, uh, 10% off of a single sports equipment item. So if you're trying to get a Peloton, 10% off. I don't know. They sell Pelotons at Dick's. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> is this geared towards the players? Or is this geared towards the parents? Uh, who, both. Who cares? It's coupons, man. Just just take them and take them and scan them. Um, you heard it and, here first. Sebastian's starting a Peloton class on Wednesday nights at 530. Parents, get your Peloton 10% off. Sebastian's getting his, and he's running the class. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna turn on Zoom, and I'm gonna sit there on uh, on my daughter's like little mini tricycle, <laughs> trying to peloton it. Uh, <laughs> halfway through the class, uh, I'm gonna have to pass on the host to somebody else as I pass out and fall over. <laughs> Might not be the best idea we've come up with. Probably not, but it'll be funny <laughs> for yeah. sure. Um, and then twenty percent off your Gatorade purchase. So. Why not? Um, so, yeah, so that's this is good. Th- these are all the, uh, listen, these coupons valid through January 31st of 2022. So, you know, if I was you, I'd uh, I'd load up, I'd, I'd load some paper on that printer, make sure you got ink and just either that or screenshot the image. Make sure you got it on your phone. They can scan it right there. Boom, boom, boom. There is no reason for ever for at this point for the next year for you to ever go to Dick Sporting Goods without any sort of coupon. Yeah, you should not be paying full price for anything. And if you are paying full price for anything, it's because you're not subscribed to the podcast. So that's right. Yeah. So I guess this could because this can't technically count maybe as like like our first member appreciation event. Is this like our first sponsor for the podcast? We might have to get a sponsor voice. Sure. So while you're outside, please go to Dick Sporting Goods. Make sure you take that coupon provided to you by Delaware Union. You can get $10 off any pair of athletic footwear or cleats that are priced $59.99 or more. 15% off athletic or outdoor apparel. How's that? Perfect. Perfect. See, like put on the radio voice. We'll add that in. And then we'll, we'll, add, we'll add that in at the bottom and then just ultimately like... Uh, well, what's the disclaimer always? Um, you know, the, 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 the fast little words of like, uh, you know, this, this, if your coupon doesn't work, you can't blame us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As for the manager, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Uh, This doesn't work. They say it's declined. Call a manager. Don't call us. (laughs) Yeah. Call the marketing and analytics department. Let them sort it out for you. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that'll go well. Um, so yeah, so we're looking forward to all those things. Um, and then in about a week, a uh, little bit over a week, we got our first info session with the women's team with the Delarine and diamonds. Uh, so make sure you're, you're following that facebook.com slash D union diamonds or Instagram D E union diamonds. Uh, we have our first info session. We got some players signing up. We are, we are, we're going to in our, our conference. Yeah. Coppermine uh, just just joined our conference. Um, then we're up to eight teams, including yeah, us. Eight teams. Um, I believe um, I can announce this. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll find out after I announce it. But um, I am the commissioner for our league, for our uh, for our conference. So I'm the commissioner for the uh, Mid Atlantic Conference. I believe. Uh, if not, you know then I'm wrong and I'm not the commissioner. So either way it works. Sorry, sorry in advance to anybody that gets emails from Sebastian because he's now added another title to his list. And now it's just going to be a short email, but a long list of titles. I try not to do that. I try not to. I, oh, the only thing I did add to my email signature is all my social or all social media stuff, not mine, all of our club social media stuff. That, that seemed way more important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, make sure you follow us on social media. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast because, again, you know, you never know when Dick Sporting Goods is going to drop coupons or another you kn- sponsor yeah, or absolutely. company. Yeah, absolutely. You never know. Uh, Peloton, maybe. You know, maybe we got Peloton coupons coming. Who knows? Hey, got, <laughs> got soccer. Dan's got some sponsors in his back pocket. Do you think he's got Peloton though? No, he might have something better. 
Bowflex. Harvest Ridge. <laughs> Harvest Ridge. Right. <laughs> so, Duane, remember last week we uh, we spoke with somebody from North Dakota? Yeah, we're expanding. We're expanding further west. I think. Listen, I think we have a goal that in 2021 we got to hit all 50 states. Um, so today we're going to take a trip a little bit further southeast of that wow. in a Minnesota. In a Minnesota, we're going to drive right through Fargo. Uh, in a Minnesota, and we're going to talk to um, somebody that's in Minneapolis, which uh, which is pretty cool. Um, because I. I almost went to Minneapolis a couple times, didn't get a chance to, but uh, so Patrick Prindle is here with us. He's the executive director of Blaine Soccer Club in Blaine, Minnesota, just northeast of Minneapolis. Patrick, did I get that right? Yep, you're spot on. You're spot on. Oh man, it's almost it's almost like I'm looking at a Google map right now. I'm able to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh thanks so much for coming on today we we wanted to have you on because blaine soccer club is a player's first club uh which is which is pretty cool and and i'm also pretty jealous of the fact that you got a player's first like badge right on your jacket that obviously nobody else can see but we can but uh but i think i think i think uh Duane and i are going to definitely try to uh you know steal your idea yeah <laughs> do it do it <laughs> And we're gonna to try to get that. We're gonna try to get that badge uh, in our in our gear for next year. So, Patrick, can you tell us about Blaine Soccer Club? Yeah, absolutely. First, thanks for having me on. Uh, Blaine Soccer Club is, like you said, in the northern part of Twin Cities. Um, we have roughly two thousand to three thousand youth that participate in our rec and competitive program, uh, ages anywhere from three all the way up to nineteen. Um, we're located at the National Sports Center, which is also where they host uh, the USA Cup, which is one of the largest tournaments in the country. Um, and we're fortunate to also be next door to the, our professional team. Um, so it's a, it's a good environment. Um, a lot of players. We're probably 50-50 split between the female and male side, uh, which is rare to find. Um, and we have roughly nine full-time staff and then roughly another 20 part-time staff uh, in our program as well. That's really cool. Um, so I, as I was looking through your website, uh, which which I what I really enjoy when I dig through clubs' website is I try to look for common themes. And the one thing that pretty much popped up in every single page that I looked in was this idea of great people, great players, great club. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what what that means to all of you as a soccer club absolutely the, it's kind of the whole thing is we don't coach just to coach we obviously don't coach just to make money we all know that yeah for we sure coach to develop the all-around i call it the student athlete because they're all in school right how can we teach the kids one to improve in soccer but also improve as people uh and then that just resonates within the community and then your your whole club that is based on a community has a culture and, and it's known throughout and the, the kids, the players, the families, the coaches, they all mimic the same thing on the field, off the field. And, and that's, that's truly the biggest part of it. Um, you know, it's every club has its own culture, has its own thing that it wants to do, which there's nothing wrong with that, but we truly believe in trying to create the all around player uh, and person. Cause it, it's, it's, we all have heard the percentages of who goes pro, but we know everyone eventually will get that job, whether it's part-time or full-time. And to me, that's probably a bigger end game. Now, if someone wants to go further, we can try to help them get there. But reality is we're helping them much further than just the soccer field. Well, I think that's the, and, and that's, I think that's the important part about the fact that you start with the idea of great people first, and that'll develop into great players and ultimately a great club. So, is that something you guys try to instill at, at the recreational level at the youngest age groups as well? So Absolutely. that way that, that player pathway just extends? Absolutely. And I think the best part about that is we do have two full-time staff that are in our rec program. Uh, we have a grassroots director that takes care of all of our coach curriculum. And then we have our rec coordinator who takes care of all the administrative side of it. And then the coaches are all volunteer parent coaches, you know, and, there's usually not a better coach than a parent coach because they're truly there to give back to the kids. And I think that's where it all starts. Um, and they're not going to come, you know, so in our rec program, this upcoming season, we'll have 900 kids. 
you know, so that's a lot of volunteers that are willing to step up and do it. And I think that just shows, you know, where, like you just said, where it starts and where that player pathway truly begins. So what, what, and we're kind of going and we're going to go into that little bit of a tangent with, because that's something that Dwayne and I are, are really, really passionate about is the, the recreational side of things. What, what do you do from a club perspective to help those volunteer coaches? What, what resources do you provide? Absolutely. So we, we try to follow the U S uh, U S soccer federation uh, guideline for rec soccer, if you will. Uh, but then we also use our grassroots director um, who's Charlie and he'll do a presentation. He'll put sessions together. He, sends them out weekly. Uh, and then we've also put it to where we've made the roster smaller. So it's easier to manage for the, the average parent who may not be a soccer coach, may not be a teacher, may not have that background. Um, and even, so it's just more manageable, it's more attainable and it's more enjoyable for them and the kids. Cause at the end, end of the day, reality is that's what the rec program is supposed to be it, flat out fun. And you're, you're trying to, this will sound horrible, but you're trying to get them in, right? Usually that three, four, and five-year-old, if you can get them in, they stay with you. You know, that's the impressionable time. Um, and just give the coaches the tools and the resources to do that. We offer uh, to help pay for all the grassroots education. You know, the, the goal would be to have every coach have that education. So then they, they have some background. They see that we're not just making stuff up. Um, which sometimes maybe we are, but you know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. No, I think that's a, that's a great point. And we, um, the last year we decided to somewhat restructure our U3 to U6 recreational program. And we decided to manage it with our staff and, and ultimately have players like our high school age players coming back to help run those sessions. Yep. And because we were finding that um, we were losing about 20 players a season in those, in those age groups. And partially I think is because it was just the engagement part of it like you said right you're trying to it's an impressionable age you're trying to build a, a good foundation and you want it to be fun and at times we get stuck in the idea of the competitiveness of the game and the reality is is that from three to six years old that even at eight years old there's a there's something to be said about that too that like the idea of of a 4v4 game at three years old doesn't work it, or it becomes extremely difficult to do so we decided to um to somewhat restructure our program um Ultimately, the same idea you said, right? Just try to build a good foundation for your club. So, at that point, for your player pathway, how do you how do you transition them into the on the travel or competitive side of the club? That is the ultimate question, right there. <laughs> it, it's mind blowing. You can go from nine hundred to six hundred. So, yeah. what we've started is we call it the Development Academy, uh, and it's a bridge between rec and competitive. Uh, that our grassroots director actually leads and runs. And then we bring soccer coaches in a little bit more qualified background, high school coaches, all that stuff. Uh, and then what it is, is it, it, we found that it provides a competitive environment that, that, that parent that's like, Hey, my kid's ready for the next step and Rex's not providing it, but they're also too young to go into the competitive program. And then we use it to increase their training. So it's a little bit more like a session, a proper session. Uh, and then we identify them with our boys and girls director to have conversation with the parents and say, we think you're ready to come into our competitive program now. And here's what that looks like. And what we've really been trying to focus on is keeping the fees a little bit more attainable because it's such a jump to go from rec to competitive, uh, which sometimes it's like, no, thank you. Right. I mean, I yeah. get it. Um, so sometimes, I mean, lowering the fees by half, even we've done in some situations, depending on the year. And we've, I would say just for the spring season, we've gotten three kids that have gone in now, which has never happened before. Uh, so it's something I think we'll keep growing. And our DA program is capped at 50 and we've filled it every session uh, since the fall. Uh, so that's what, four or five sessions now. So somewhere in there it's working for now. Um, but I think it's such an important part to show that the rec program isn't a money grab, you yep. know, cause it, it is a cash cow and it's important to show that you're, you're putting the resources in it, both with your full-time staff uh, and they're actually there and they're visible, but then also showing, Hey, we do try to develop you and help you attain that next level that you may want because maybe soccer is the only sport in Minnesota. And I would assume so in Delaware, maybe um, the main sports hockey. I mean, it's huge here, huge. So we have a lot of that multi-sport athlete and the two do cross 
cross-exist or coexist, if you will. Uh, we see a lot of transfer between the two. Um, and just being able to cater to both sides of that, you know, yeah. and show them that it is it is attainable. Yeah, we we run into that on the girls' side with field hockey a lot. Okay. Uh, field hockey is is really big in Delaware, and lacrosse is blowing up in our state. Uh, yeah, the like kids are playing lacrosse all over the place. Um, sure. So, yeah, but like you like you said, Pat, like it starts at the U three to like U eight range, right? Making that good first impression, so that you know some of these kids sort of first time they're actually seeing another kid their age being able to like freely play with them so making that first impression making sure everything's structured right makes a difference because if they're just running around the field parents are like well we'll, we'll try hockey or we'll try football or we'll try baseball and you never see those kids again yeah 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 well and we've had it i don't know about you guys but we've had a big park and rec is slowly starting to come back around in minnesota i've seen um meaning that a lot of the cities are now saying, Hey, we need to offer something much more discounted for people again, like we used to 10, 15 years ago. So what we're trying to do is even partner with the local cities and say, what can we do for you? We don't need, we don't need to charge our fees to come in and do soccer for free day. Cause that's what hockey does. Yeah. Right. So why can't soccer do it? You know, so just trying to, you know, those collaborations, those partnerships, cause I think that's all the stuff's going to grow and it's going to stay sustainable. Yeah. We did that with, uh, with, with um with one of the counties in southern southern delaware we basically partnered up with their with their parks and recreation department and uh we used to have basically two rec programs one in the middletown area and one in dover uh which are the the two places are about 30 35 minutes away from each other but we used to have two rec we used to run two recreational programs um and we 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 ran into that issue it was the the southern part of delaware became the cost became too high for what we can manage uh, or for what the players can manage. And we couldn't lower our costs because again, you, your, your recreational programs running as efficient as usually as it is like you're trying to, you make the cost as low as you can. Um, so we partnered up with the, with the parks and recreation department in order to be able to give them the players, they could offer it at a much lower cost than we could. And we provide, so Dwayne's one of the, the coaches that, that goes in and provides coaching education for their, for their players runs, um, some player development programs as well. So that helps a lot. But like you said, I think that's making a comeback. I think the parks and recreation departments are coming back with the idea of providing something. And I think that's where us from a soccer club perspective, where we've had the experience now of, of how to run a soccer program properly and, and things like that, because ultimately you want to be able to develop a good foundation for the sport, right? You don't, you don't want, you know, at times we, although we've all seen it, um, you know, we don't want the 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 mom and dad who's you know at six years old is screaming for their kid to score seventeen different goals in a game. Right, right. right? You want to be able to develop a better culture, better culture than that. So, and and speaking of culture, uh, because we mentioned your the, the 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 player's first badge that you're wearing right now on your jacket, but why why was that something you guys went after? Why is it something that that was important for for you guys to go after? Good question. I think it's, it provides guidance in a way. It provides accountability. Now, you could argue that what's the point of it? Either way, you should be accountable no matter what. But there is a check and balance to it to say that you're, you're doing coach education. You're, you have a proper player pathway. You have advertising. You have parent resources. Because sometimes, as you guys are aware, there's so much going on like the little stuff, the fires you're putting out, sometimes you do forget to do X, Y, and Z and it's too late. So I think it, that's it, the biggest part of it. It's not to say that we weren't doing it, but it, it, it provides that and it provides the accountability and it provides the structure to the, the staff to say, Hey, we need to go do this because we said we're going to do this. Um, and if I'm not going to, I mean, there's also a little bit of marketing behind it, you know, to be fair to, to say you are part of something and you are doing something. Some people will look at that. Some won't, but it's always something when it comes to that. It's absolutely. And I feel like that, that checks and balances is something that's the, anytime anyone in our club is asked, I basically word for word said what you said, right? It's accountability. It's the checks and balances. A little bit of validation that you're doing things correctly, that, you know, a, a, a large organization can, can value you for, for what you're doing. I think also, you know, and this is the reason why we wanted to have these conversations in general, 
and you're our second player's first club that that's been on our podcast is it, we want to be able to share ideas. So we want to make sure, you know, and I mentioned this to you off air, the fact that it, it is a small community, you know, there's 160, 170 clubs in this player's first community. And that may seem like a large number, but it absolutely is not in the grand scheme of things. When you're talking large scale of how many clubs there are around the country, um, so the fact that we get to, you know, we get to chat and, and share some ideas. I like, I love the idea of, a of your development Academy. I think that's, I think that's a, that's a great, great thing. We have something similar in our program, but the fact that that's ultimately what you're looking to, to expand your pathway on, that's, it's fantastic. So what, how was there, how was the, the announcement received at your club in general? I would say it was received. There's no, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I don't think anyone up here really knows to be fair. Um, originally there was two clubs, two of us that did it. And now there's four. Right. And I would say it's for the four very competitive clubs in general. Uh, and what we've done to your point of resources is we've worked with us club to provide coach education and said, we as our four clubs will put forward coaches to make sure that things run, you know, cause so many times, especially now, obviously the, these courses don't get a chance to run. So then you end up canceling them. And I think even next year we're looking at hosting um, the La Liga course, yeah. uh, bringing it out here and committing to it, uh, which I think is, again, just that's where the the true, I think, benefit is on those sides of it. Um, so it, to, to your question, everyone's like, oh, hey, there's a shiny sticker on it. Hey, woo. Well, and I think that's the interesting part, right? It's almost like you're looking for the the recognition, but I think the, the recognition ultimately becomes internal, right? It's for you, for yeah. your staff, yeah. for them to realize that they're doing things correctly. And then it's it's the checks and balances. And I think it's the stuff that, and maybe it's a good thing that the parents don't necessarily react to it at times because it just tells you that you're doing it for the right reasons, right? If you ultimately, the only reason why you did it was for to get a parent reaction or get more Facebook likes, uh, you know, you're probably not doing it for the right reasons, but the fact that you're continuing to do it regardless of the reception. And I think that's a, it's one of those things of the same thing with us. You know, when we received it, I was asked that question. I said, listen, I'm, I'm a firm believer of the idea of no news is good news. A lot of the times, especially for a soccer club. Uh, so when you send out something, that's an, it's an announcement and a big announcement and no one responds to you going like, why did you get that? You guys aren't good. Uh, it's a, it's a win basically. Right. So sure. the fact that we got zero responses was, I, I was, that was good in my book at that point. I was sure. like, good. At least people understand. They're like, Oh, that makes sense. Great. Boom. Move on. Um, but again, internally, we're trying to, trying to do the right thing. Um, so in general, obviously, we all live in this in this COVID world right now. And we've all trying to manage soccer clubs uh, through COVID. So what is but one of the things I think is we've all had to adjust and had to be a, uh, more creative than we've ever had to be. Um, and at least for us, there's been some things that that we've come up with that are going to stick because we're like, oh, my God, why didn't we think about this before? Uh, so is there anything that you guys have done as a club that will probably continue to to happen as a ultimately as a adjustment to COVID that you think like, wow, that actually turned out to be really good. We're going to try to continue to do something like this in general. That's a hard question. I don't know that we have changed anything in regards to like implementing programming or anything like that. I think we have relooked at our own internal structure, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, a lot of the things we've had to do, so we, we have been playing since probably June yeah, with a lot of, you know, different mandates and structures, but that's just been more on the social distancing, wearing masks. So we have to wear masks at all time now. Yep. Same thing with us. Including playing in games. Yep. Um, now if I were to say that that's what we're going to stick with, I might as well just pack my bags now. <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> um, but I think just that internal stuff, it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that there is anything that we've changed or we've had to do new so one thing that i one thing that i found um that i think is is a positive and i think it's something that clubs sometimes overlooked and even when they did it like i think it's a it's hopefully something that we'll continue to do but we all had to create basically these at-home sessions Mm, sure and i and i and i I checked out your youtube page and you guys had a ton of these at-home sessions you guys did interviews um so i think like that's I, i think that's a huge positive that in general, you know, especially when you're talking about the winter months and, and we'll, we'll, you know, 
maybe you guys don't get a ton of snow in Minneapolis, uh, but but I'm I'm sure it's pretty cold. Um, you guys are way closer to Canada than we are, so uh, so I'm assuming it's pretty cold in that in that area. So, you know, I'm sure there's times when when it's hard to go outside and and stuff like that. So I think the idea of at home sessions, I think it's one of the things that I think is we I know for for a fact for us, um, one of the things we said is like we no longer have um. So whenever we have to cancel a session due to weather or whatever the case is, now there's an at-home session that gets sent to our players. Sure. Um, before we we just like, oh, it's raining, we're just going to cancel our session, and we never really thought about it. But then we're like, we're like, well, why couldn't we have done this already? You know, we we've been basically, you know, we had a three or four month period where we had to have our players train at home um, by themselves, and I mean, you saw it with professional soccer all over the place. Right. Players had to train at home, and now the idea of uh, like the grasses, you know, the grasses, you know, the fields are underwater. What are we going to do? Well, you, here's a session you can train at home. Um, yeah, that's actually a really good point. Uh, I didn't even think about that. It was almost like it's second nature. Um, you know, we, we work with, uh, so I have a sports performance coach um, who put together through an app called Team Builder where it's all at home workouts. So he specialized it based on everyone it's sent out. Uh, and if a team goes on quarantine, we then immediately interact that. Uh, and we give them at home workouts to your point. The other thing I would say that COVID for, I wouldn't say forced us to do, but made us fill that time. So we were at home for six weeks. Um, we're basically in quarantine completely is a college advisory program, uh, for our Oh sixes and ups. So we brought in a player panel of ex high level college pro players. Um, I don't know if that was on our YouTube page or not. And starting to get the kids into introductory stuff about what that truly looks like during now. And, and that will stick. Like we have a call next Wednesday um, with um, Josh Tyler from rush. And that has been invaluable uh, doing stuff like that. So I think when I, I, I guess when I think back on it, those would be the two couple things, like you said, that home workouts and this college stuff, which we should have been doing to be honest. But sometimes again, here's this thing that you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do and you don't think about it because it takes a bit more to get after it. But then once you actually do it, it, it's not that hard. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's the, we've, we've all had to readjust. Um, you know, we, we learn how to coach from home. We learn, we learn how to have more efficient coach, at least for us, we learn how to have more efficient coaches meetings from home than we have in person. So at least for us, like coaches meetings are staying, staying online. Uh, it's way easier to get in everybody's schedule. Right. Uh, yeah, for sure. And we are way, we are way more efficient at our coaches meetings. Now we get in and out in the time we need to 30 yeah. minutes, right? You don't have to wait 30 minutes for someone to get there. It's, yeah. We're in and we're out. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right, well, I, we want to find out more about you in general. So oh boy. How, how did you get started in coaching altogether? Everyone has a, has a different story, sometimes similar, sometimes not, but how did you, how did you get started in coaching? It's a really good. I don't know. Uh, when I was playing, I so I played all through high school, all that, and I would say it started my senior year of high school, where a bunch of our girlfriends were playing, and I just randomly started coaching. And they're like, "You should coach." Uh, weirdest thing. I'll never forget where I was even. But then I got really into it my freshman year of college at the University of Minnesota, where they have a club team. Uh, and I was playing and realized that soccer in school was not going to go very well. So I chose to chose the school path, obviously. And uh, that's when I started coaching, too, where I kind of went after it further, got into the high school game, um, got my D national by the time I was 20, you know, which was a lot easier back then than now, obviously, uh, and haven't stopped since. You know, so I think it's over 25 years of coaching right now. Um, never in a million years that I expect I'd be doing what I'm doing was not the plan at all, <laughs> uh, but it, it is what it is, right? It's how it happens and how it works yeah. out. Yeah. Um, but that's, and that's, that's, that's why we asked the question. It's, it's just fun. It's always fun to find out how everybody gets started. Usually nobody, uh, nobody at the age of 18 thinks I want to be a full-time soccer coach at some yeah, point. No, no. Cause ultimately the idea of being a full-time soccer coach, unless you're coaching at the Academy slash professional level, uh, you're never a full-time soccer coach. You end up having to do a hundred different things that are away from the field yeah. uh, more than anything else, especially in your job as the executive director. I'm yeah. sure that uh, you would spend, you would like to spend more time on the field than you probably get to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but as we mentioned, uh, you know, 
coaching soccer full-time becomes uh, this idea of full-time. You're almost saying it in quotes uh, from the idea of uh, financially. <laughs> so what other jobs have you had along the along your life? And this question stems from Dwayne having uh, worked at uh, Hollister f- for all of 48 hours once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that boy, Dwayne. <laughs> um, so I used to work for the YMCA. Uh, for 15 years as a community program director. So I oversaw a lot of their camps, regional camps, uh, youth programs, all that stuff. Um, And through that time was also working, coaching, literally just coaching. That's all I was doing at that point. Left the YMCA uh, and then I became the director at a different club uh, for about seven years and then came into this. Uh, and along that time, got my master's in educational leadership and administration because uh, the ultimate goal is to be an athletic director or a dean at the local schools and still coach, uh, which may happen someday. Um, but the reality is these are the two things I've done um, for the most part, obviously. Little part-timers maybe back in college, but this is the, those are the two things. It's always been with youth. It's always been with management um, on a larger scale. Uh, in regards to programming, um, but it's it's fun. The biggest thing for me is I love working with younger staff, helping them get to where they need to get. Like we did one-on-ones last week, and I asked every staff, like, where do you want to be? You need to start thinking about, is this your path? Because if it's not, you need to start making that change, because I never did. And not many people run clubs till they retire, right? Like it's just not, it's just, you can't, right? <laughs> right. Um, and it, trying to help them gauge that path. You know, if you want to get in the college game, you need to get on someone's doorstep right now and start, uh, you know, and just yeah, trying to mentor a little bit, you know, and the kid side is obviously just having fun. Yeah. So it, and that's a, that brings up. So when do you think, at what point do you think you, you go from, from, you know, what, when do you think you make the transition from mentee to mentor? Oh man. I think it's different for everyone. It, it, it's what's your background? What have you done? Um, you know, the sad part is, I, I think I was asked this on a job interview once. It might have been why I didn't get the job too. <laughs> was, who's your mentor? And I looked at him and I was like, I don't know. I don't think I have one. Right? And I don't know if that's just because of how I look at everything. Kind of a holistic, it's a bigger picture. <clears throat> but I think it's different for everyone. And I think for now... I've started having players that I coached in high school say, you're my mentor. I look up, you know, I look up to you what you've done and what you're doing. And I would say now that I'm in this job, you know, so I only started here in May in Blaine. Um, I think now all of a sudden, so I'm going to be 40 next week. I know I don't look it. I know I look like I'm about 20. But <laughs> we look, we look closer in age than what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, all of a sudden now I think it kind of feels like it that you, you are mentoring all of a sudden uh, out of nowhere. And uh, it's, it's all about who you're working with and maybe it's that age gap, but I do think it's different for each person too. Yeah. It's, I, I've, I've found that I've uh, in the last, the last few years, personally, I've trans I've started like, I'm in this like it's somewhat strange thing where I'm like in the middle of both Yeah, where, where I have, I have mentors, but I'm also starting to, to talk to a lot of the younger coaches that we have in our club. Um, and I'm starting to provide some sort of like guidance and, and, and I find myself and it's so such a weird thing. Cause it happened to me on Monday. I found myself almost giving word per word, the same speech to a younger coach that we hopefully have coming in a couple of months um, that my technical director gave me five years ago when, when we spoke on the phone for me sure. to come to Delaware. It's just, it, and, and I texted him. I'm like, I feel like I'm you. Like I end up giving the same speech and, and Dwayne knows what I'm talking about. And I'm just like, it almost pains me to say it at times too. I'm like, uh, but like you, you find yourself in these like weird roles. It's almost like when you become a parent, it's almost like, it's almost that feeling of like, and, and I have, and I have a three-year-old and a one and a half year old. Um, and I find myself saying some of the things and I look back and I'm like, oh man, that's something my mom or my dad would say. Yeah. And then you're just like, you have like in this weird transition of just like doing both things at the same time. And it's so weird. Um, But, but again, I think it's, but I think to your point, you know, not knowing exactly who your mentor was in that job interview, I think 
I think now we're we're finding that we're putting a lot more effort into trying to educate coaches and not just basically this idea of just stumbling into coaches into coaching. It's just the idea of like actually trying to develop good coaches. Um, Absolutely. It's, you know, I've had some awful, awful supervisors, like horrendous through my career in the YMCA. And, but I would also say I've learned so much from those supervisors not did they do some things that were good and you're like yeah that that was actually a really good idea of what you did maybe i was too naive but you've also seen what they did that was awful and you're like i don't ever want to be that person and i think we take that into our into our leadership you have to and it's just like you tell your kids when they lose you gotta to learn you have to lose sometimes if you keep winning you're not learning right i think i read that somewhere i don't know but it's, it's so true. You have to always be learning, especially in these games. You have to stay on top of it. You have to be evolving. You can't, be, you can't fall behind because if you fall behind, you're just being reactive. Um, you know, and I think that goes into the leadership and how you mentor people and how they start coming up as well. And I think that's what keeps, keeps staff, retains your staff, but also brings in new staff because they're like, hey, I heard what your club is doing. I want to be a part of that. Some, some coaches are super, super competitive. They want to go to that club that, you know what, maybe they do recruit, even though it's, it's not loud, but Hey, you know what? That's how I came up. That's what I'm all about. Let's get after it. I want to put the best team on the field, no matter how we get there. Yeah. Teach their own, you know, unfortunately, but yeah. Well, I mean, you think about it. There's not a lot of coaches. I mean, it may definitely Minnesota, but we don't have a, you know, line of coaches applications and people that right. want to coach. So it's more about, you know, making that impression on the players. Like, like you said, your older players so that when they get finished with playing or they get finished with college, you know, and they come back to the area, they want to coach. Yeah. They've got that impression. You know, they started the grassroots stuff and then you kind of build on that. But if you know, all you're trying to do is win every game, you know, your players are only going to think one way, right? And it's only going to be the win. They don't think about the other sides of the game. So they're not, you know, becoming well-rounded to be able to be coaches after their finish part. Right. Right. Yeah. It goes back to the idea of great people, great players, great club, right? There you go. There you go. Oh man. Thanks for tying it together. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's, uh, I think that's the title of the episode this week. Uh, um, I think we got a collaborate Delaware union and Blaine soccer club. Merger, let's let's do it. Um, <laughs> listen, if it gets me and Dwayne on a plane going somewhere, we we've been excited to the idea of traveling somewhere. Uh, <laughs> so we we want to we want to take the show on the road. So uh, so we're, we're, we're yeah, I mean, Pat, we we have our first airline in the for the first time in like ten years flying out of Delaware. <laughs> what? Yeah, we don't. We didn't have an air. We we have an airport that hasn't functioned in like ten years. I probably would not want to be on the first flight. Just going to put that out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what Dwayne said too. <laughs> no. I told, cause right now it's only flying to Orlando. So I told him, I was like, Hey, it's perfect. We can go to, we can go to Orlando. He's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Philly and I'll fly to Philly. <laughs> yeah. I'll drive uh, to Philly to fly. To- <laughs> yeah. I don't blame me on that one. Uh, all right. So last question, uh, who are your three favorite soccer players? This was an interesting one. <clears throat> well, my fr- professionally, I would say Alex Morgan. I think she is kind of encompasses that total female player, but on such a larger level, both as a, as we said, her mentor, respectful, bigger pitcher than just I'm playing here. But then this may be a, a silly one, but my two kids are my two other favorite players. And it's just because it's so simple. Uh, my, my daughter, I coach my daughter as well in a different club. Uh, where I live and she's on the bottom and someday I think she will be on the top, uh, but she'll, she'll, she'll do what I did. So she's 10. She'll improve when she's a high school kid, I think, but she doesn't care. She just plays. She gets after it. She wants to go, but there's no drama, right? There's no, I'm going to be the next Mia Ham. It's like, you know what? I like that. I, 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 that's what we need to be doing. You know, so a little bit, uh, What's the word? Um, not true, but you know what I'm saying, right? Just yeah. simplicity of being a player. And that, to me, it, that's the joy of it uh, for that. And there's so many kids and players out there like that, but it's not, oh, this person, because they've won all this. It's like, no, 
because this is this is what it's about. Yeah, that's that's huge. That's huge. And you're uh I will say that you are the second or second guest who has named uh their their kid as their favorite player. Uh, and also, it, I think it's my favorite answer. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's great because I think it, it I think you're right. It speaks to the simplicity of the game. Um, it speaks to to how they view it. Uh, you know, when my three year old watched, um, we were watching the Chelsea women's game a few weeks ago, and she turned to the game and said, "Oh, that's like me playing soccer." And I'm like, "Yep." It's exactly like you playing soccer. Like, sure, yep. why not? Like, yeah. she watched Bar- We were watching the Barcelona game, and she turned around and she's like, "Why aren't you on that field?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, that's a deeper question." But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, but it's the simplicity of it, and it's a that's the part of of sometimes why we we coach soccer, and especially why we coach the younger age groups. I think that's it's just life for them. It's just fun, and and it should be, and you're just trying to hold on to that as long as you can. Right. Right. Um, It's, uh, it's funny. My daughter, my older daughter, we were watching, I don't know what we were watching. Uh, something we were watching games where she's like, why is it always guys? Which I was like, Oh, here we go. But it, it, it's so true. It's for them to see that and be like, well, wait a minute. You know, I think it's a whole different era that's going to come through. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Sebastian hit it at it yesterday. He was like, why is this, I don't know what was on Fox Sports, but why did this go yeah. over? Yeah, so 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 I'm from Argentina. So yesterday, the She Believes Cup started, and it was Argentina Brazil at four o'clock in the afternoon, and it was supposed to be on Fox Sports One. And the game, the the broadcast of the game started three minutes late because two guys were talking about football and Carson Wentz being traded. And I texted Dwayne, and I was like, "Who in the world cares?" Like. Yeah. In the I, I don't care. Like to me, it's like you have a schedule. Like you are now, like going past your time of like when when it's football time. Yeah. Like it's Argentina Brazil. Like right. women's game or not women's game, it's Argentina Brazil. Like it just put it on TV. Like send it to Fox Sports Two. Send it to El Ocho. I don't care. Like send it somewhere else. That like I just oh it got it got me so frustrated because it's this idea that like and, and again it's a deeper conversation as to why sometimes this sport in general is still growing in this country where in the rest of the world it's it's already the primary sport right and it's and it's a it's a paradigm shift that and that you know we'll hopefully get to at some point but but yeah you're right I mean it's just it's what it comes down they need to, to put they should have put it on Nickelodeon like they did that NFL game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, seriously i think that might be a way you know it might like they might be onto something like showing games on nickelodeon and giving it like a family kid friendly puck or not podcast but environment to watch the game you know that might be the next step especially like not putting the women's game down but because they probably don't get as high as viewership and don't have the sponsors and the ads like the men's do start with the kids Open, you know, the younger kids, and you know, you may be onto something there. Yeah, right. absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, well, Pat, uh, thanks so much for for coming on. Where where can people find out more about Blaine Soccer Club in general? Well, the internet. BlaineSoccerClub.org. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Is the easiest. The one, the one and only Blaine Soccer one and Club. Only. That's right. That's there right. you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so make sure make sure you guys check out Blaine Soccer Club. Uh, you know, great people, great players, great club, and a, and a great executive director. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate the time uh, and the conversation. Right, that's the only way we get better. Exactly, absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. All right, uh, what a great interview with with Pat Prindle from uh, from Blaine Soccer Club. Um, all right, so doing, we're going to move on to the Champions League. It's back. It's back in a big, bad way, man. Um, yeah. Well, my players in the match came in swinging. Well, yeah, we'll, 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 I mean, you might as well just give us your players of the match now and then we'll tie them in because you're, yeah, you're, you're I mean, completely tied into that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're really like, you talk about champions, like those two came in, uh, Killian Mbappe and Erling, um, Aland came in swinging in a big way this week. Um, 
Mbappe had a hat trick against Barcelona. Um, and Alan had two goals, I think, an assist yep. um, on Wednesday. He said, you know, he was inspired by what Mbappe did, came in, and he doesn't get the hat trick, but, you know, two goals and assist probably, you know, sits the same way. But I don't know if it's too early, but are they the next generational talents? Like, are they the next Ronaldo and Messi kind of players? And, and somebody brought this up. I don't know that Mbappe is is the embodiment of, of what Messi is. Um, I would say Mbappe is closer to Ronaldo than anything else, mostly just because of the his sheer speed and ability to just score goals. Um, but I don't think he's either of them, though. I think he's completely he's his own breed. his own style. Yeah, just like I think Ronaldo's his own style and Messi's his own style. And and Holland, um, Holland probably brings me back to that that idea of the old school striker, like almost Ronaldo, Rivaldo, like Lewandowski. just Lewandowski, yeah, Suarez, like that type of that type of striker where you're just like I mean the, the one of the goals he scored I think his second goal is he started running from midfield and then like he gave a pass and then like you're just like the guy's a monster um that it, like yeah it, it's hard to say he's a finisher because like his speed is I'd be interested to see like his Olympic speed because I think he could probably run to the Olympics for Norway probably qualify yeah I mean from a like yeah, his long distance, like over like a four hundred, maybe like yeah, you know he he could, he's got it because obviously you know Mbappe's got the the one hundred and the fifty like down. So, um, but yeah, so it, it was interesting. I think you know the fact that Porto beat Juve, it, it's weird. You've you've we've seen, in in Porto's first goal comes of a really bad like playing out of the back situation between Chesney and Betancourt. Um, and you're seeing this idea of like this this diehard way of like let's play out of the back, and we're gonna almost like live and die, and you're dying by it at times, you know. <laughs> Instead of at a certain point, you just gotta go, oh boy, like I got pressure coming. Let me clear the ball. Um, yeah, sometimes it's amazing because you're like, dude, you've been playing soccer for 20 plus years. Like, at some point, it's gotta click. Like, some point, you played on a bad team or a team that was getting beat, and it's just like, yeah. Let's go kick it as far as we can. Like, granted, you may be brought up in the Barcelona system. It's all tiki-taka. But at some point, you got to say, forget this. Let me just kick it as far as I can and get out of here. Just for at least, yeah, just catch my breath. Yeah, so I think it, it's definitely interesting. I think, you know, it, it was it was interesting to see that that first goal from Porto. And then, obviously, you know, Juve got one back. So it's going to make an interesting second round of games for that for those those games and Liverpool beat Leipzig and I don't think that that's going to turn around I think that's going to stay but you know Dortmund Sevilla's you know 2 3 2 Porto Juve now they got to go to Italy maybe it's a little different um PSG Barcelona I don't know I mean Barcelona's done it once against PSG but I don't know if you can do it again um going to France and and you know you got to you got to score four goals cuz three Three don't even three doesn't even count anymore. You gotta get you gotta score four. Um so who knows? I mean, I, I don't know if I don't know if Barcelona can do that. I mean, Barcelona did it this weekend where I thought they and I texted you. I was like, hey man, like it looks like they're back, but then they they, they played against bad competition. So I mean they play Cadiz tomorrow. I believe the first time they played them in the league, they lost. Or they tied. <laughs> Great. So it's even better. And then that was the first time. No, they, they play them on Sunday. That's a Sunday, Sunday, 8 a.m. They like they play 8 a.m., which is the first time in a while that Barcelona's played that early. Right. Um, you, know, but, you know, that's a bad game if they're playing at 8 a.m. Yeah. Well, and they played Alavez on last Saturday. You know, it's 5 1, and it was a great game and great goals. But again, you couldn't do it against PSG. So that's where it counts, really. I mean, PSG's not even that. Yeah. Good. Right, they're they're good, but they're not that good. They're not yeah. probably champions and finalists. And by the time we we know we talk again, we're talking. You know, we're going to talk next week about Atletico Chelsea or yeah, Atletico Madrid Chelsea, which I think is going to be a a great game. Um, Atalanta Real Madrid, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, block 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 yeah, uh, it, that name always confuses me. Against City, which is probably the easiest draw of of anybody in this round of the sixteen, and then Lazio against Bayern, um, which should be relatively simple for Bayern. 
Yeah, Bayern's but, getting healthy again. It's scary. You had to go to Italy. So we'll see. I mean, uh, definitely, definitely an interesting thing. Um, and then last night, U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, so Brazil, she believes cup. She believes cup. So it starts off with uh, Brazil, Argentina, Argentina uh, doing, I thought a much better job of what, what could have happened in the first half um, held their own, created some chances. It was down one, nothing because of PK and then three goals in the second half. Um, so a four, one final, but actually a, a decent, a decent, um, you know, a decent showing from Argentina, I thought. Um, and then, you guys, you're still trying to close that gap, right? Well, now it's a brand, it's a new generation of players. It's, so it's like a weird mix. It's a few older players, but then like the star players, um, like Estefania Bonini, who was, who was amazing in the World Cup, didn't play because she has some issues with the head coach. So, so there's some, there's some stuff going on that hopefully, again, they're in a complete rebuild. They were in a rebuild part. Ultimately, you're trying to talk about, um, the you know the brand new generation like uh Ippolito, who's 20 years old you know debuted in the world cup at like 18 and uh you know she's playing at juve now and um that's the that's the next generation right you know you want her to be at a high level for the next 10 years to see what the next 10 years of argentinian women's soccer could could be with her at the forefront of it ultimately as she develops so this this new this generation that's now is just basically you know laying a good foundation for for the next one to come. Um, so yeah, kind of like so, how the U.S. kind of like how the U.S. men's were, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, yeah. And and now seeing what this new generation can do, and the women's national team, the U.S. women's national team, um, I thought struggled at times against Canada. I mean, Canada should have scored two goals before. Um, not granted the, the goalkeeper that came in for Canada made some decent saves, but I thought the U S probably should have, could have been down a goal easily. I mean, I don't know what in the world was, was going on with Canada. They didn't want to finish, but, um, but Rose Lavelle comes in and scores a really nice goal. She's like the best like super sub other than, what I mean, the, the, they mentioned in the broadcast and it was kind of scary. All of a sudden your subs are coming in and you got, Kristen Press, Alex Morgan, and Roosevelt coming in as your subs. Yeah. Like, like those, that's just a scary three that's going to come into your subs. So I'm sure once like Alex Morgan is fit, you know, Carly Boyd probably comes off the bench. Maybe. But the thing is, like, you know, they're kind of two different players. So you can have two different number nines you can play and play a different type of style. Yeah. And Macario, Macario didn't do as much as she's done in the past. So maybe, maybe she's another one that maybe comes off the bench and just. Tries to bring That's in a lot of energy. Spotlight. Yeah, absolutely. Out of the I mean, camp. Think about it. Like the few games they've had leading up to this, and the game against Canada. Like Canada, U.S. is always going to be a heated game. Yeah. This, this she believes Cup is probably just a step above what those friendly matches were. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah. So all right. So player of the matches. You you obviously talked about Mbappe and Holland. Uh, for for mine. Uh, it's going to be uh, Mariana Laroquette. She scored the goal against Brazil yesterday. Um, and it's an important goal. You know, at that point, it was 3-1. So there, it, it sparked up a little bit of, in, of energy. Um, and it wasn't so much the the fact that, that she had scored the goal, but it's what the goal meant. And the goal meant a goal after 415 days of having played they hadn't played an actual match as a Argentinian national team since November of 2019. Um, so the fact that you haven't played in that many years uh, is going to be pretty cool. Um, so my player of the match goes to her. She just signed with uh, with Kansas City uh, with the NWSL. Um, so she's going to be going to Kansas City, which is pretty exciting. Um, she's going to go to that new franchise. It's going to be pretty flat out there. <laughs> That's right. Hopefully not her. Hopefully her game is not going to be fly. Hopefully she's going to skyrocket. She'll be the peak of the flatlands of the plains. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. On this day in soccer history, uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, so this is in a one that doesn't go back too too far. Only only four years. Um, but before I give you that, let me ask you this. So if you had uh, an unlimited budget. Right, unlimited budget and, and not a whole lot of responsibilities 
uh, meaning time-wise, right? You had unlimited time and unlimited budget. Uh, and someone was said, all right, listen, I want you to plan out a trip. What would you do? Yeah. Uh, ever since I've gone to England, I want to go to like Champions League games and like domestic league games in different countries. It's like going to Burnley and sitting at the turf more, which is like a really small scale stadium compared to like Anfield and the Etihad. Mm-hmm. It's just an amazing experience. It's from like before the game, being in that small town atmosphere. So that's definitely something I would want to do is take a trip to Europe, maybe go to different countries. Well, I'm going to tell you about, I like the fact that you brought up England because I'm going to tell you about Ed Wood. So here's what Ed Wood finished in uh, in 2017 that he had started on August 14th, 2016. So it took him 189 days, but he completed this. So this is what he did. In 189 days, he visited um, 93 different stadiums. So that's 92 stadiums plus um Sheffield Park. So yeah, so 90 93 different league stadiums in England. Yeah, you did that. That's a game every like two days. So he so originally um so the original debt record, so it took him 189 days to do this record. Um originally the original record was 264 days and it was set in uh 1968, 1969 by Mike Jones and Bob Wilson. Um, there was no Sunday games in those back in those times. So that made it a little bit different. Um, so, but Ed Wood actually broke his own record. So in 91, 92, uh, he did it in 237 days and he went down to 189 days. Yeah. Um, so he basically took us, so he took, he was, he already knew where to go. He was like, all right, I gotta go. So he took, see, so he took six months. Uh, unpaid holiday right uh and then you also raised money for prostate cancer uk uh as he was traveling around um so he did a match every two days and then four times he actually did two games in one day not bad i mean can the record be beaten is that a challenge for the soccer podcast I think it can. I think you just got to be extremely lucky on how the game. Do you think the marketing analytics department can get us a way to uh, find us a sponsor that will, uh, will we, you can podcast the entire way through it, but get us, get, get us for, for less than six months uh, in England to go to every, to 92 different games or 93 different stadiums in a hundred, less than 189 days. See, I want to do it, but I want to have a strategy beforehand. Like, I want. Oh yeah, you can't just you can't just show up and be like, "All right, we're starting." Like, I got to know the schedule. Make sure the schedule lines up. Like, well, yeah, you have to start at the beginning of the season and then trying to make sure that you can, you can hit that the hit hit that record. So So yeah, but you can do Liverpool and Everton on the same day. Like, boom, that's easy. Yeah, Manchester, Manchester United, same day. Like they have different kickoff times on the same day. You just bring a bunch of reversible jerseys, and we're good to go. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing. Got to travel light. Yeah, you don't want anybody to see that you were at the other game first. <laughs> That's where the mask comes in now, right? Everyone's wearing yeah, a mask. Yeah, well, You'll be all right. Yeah. We're good. Just swap out the mask. You're good. Don't need jerseys anymore. Just bring a bunch of masks. Or we just suit up as you know ambulance drivers. There you go. Gra- grounds we get we get groundskeeper jerseys. There you go. Or perfect. Stewart. Perfect. Uh yeah, so that was uh that was broken by Ed Wood, February 18th, 2017. Oh, that was February 18th. Oh no, I looked at the wrong day. Uh so that was yesterday. Well, I guess on this day in soccer history was yesterday, I guess. It's because I looked this up yesterday. This is what happens when I don't look it up the day before. I make mistakes. But still pretty cool. It was still a pretty cool thing that I think should be brought up. Uh, because my, February 19th anyway. My 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 thought or my idea is to do uh like a trip around like Italy. I don't know why I want to do it in Italy, but I want to do Italy uh with my dad driving around different stadiums in Italy. That'd be cool. That's all I want to do. Just hang out with my dad, just drive around, rent a car, but I want to rent like a convertible and just listen, drive. as long as it's a stick shift, the majority of cars overseas are stick shift. I'm good. 
Just drive up and down Italy. Just it'd be fun. I think it'd be fun. So, all right, fair play of the week. Uh, who's your fair play of the week? Give my fair play of the week out to all of the tournament directors, league directors, people putting on these tournaments and events because I know it's hectic to put stuff on with COVID, and I know it's hectic because now a lot of teams have to wait until that last moment to make a decision on whether to try and go or not to go based on travel restrictions. So just shout out to them for being flexible, um, you know, working with teams, understanding, you know, their circumstances that, you know, we really don't know until the last minute if we can go and not go. Yeah. Can they get us in and can they get us scheduled without throwing off the entire flow of the tournament? So yeah. shout out to those. Yep. Absolutely. Um, mine goes out to college coaches um, because, you know, college coaches, especially division one schools are trying to maneuver through all the COVID guidelines while trying to maintain their schedule, adjust to weather and stuff like that. So, um, and I want to highlight two specific coaches, uh, Coach Caro from the University of Delaware, um, who's a you know good friend of the podcast, and I want to uh, shout out Coach Hennessy, uh, also from the from the University of Delaware, because um, they have a pretty cool schedule coming up, um, and they're trying to trying to get some games in, and, and I'm hoping that they're able to. Um, I'm not entirely sure what the restrictions are, but I have a feeling that we're not going to be able to go to their games. Uh, but I'm hoping that, you know, they're in March. So, you know, maybe we'll, we'll be able to get out there, but, but yeah. Hey, so. I got a new job as the event staff at University of Delaware. So. <laughs> got that groundskeeper jersey on? Got that groundskeeper jersey. So I'll be <laughs> at their home games. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, looking forward to a fantastic weekend full of soccer. Um, hopefully some snow melts at some point soon. Um, Dwayne, as always, it's fun. Um, been 30, 34 weeks of just me and you doing this. Hey, we're, uh, we checked off another state off the map. Yeah. We need a board. We need a board of what we can. So we've, so, so far, um, as far as states are concerned, you know, we have, we have North Dakota. Um, we got Minnesota, Colorado. We've done, um, we've done Florida. New York, Florida. We've done New York, South Carolina. South Carolina, uh, Tennessee. No, have we done Tennessee? No, no, we haven't Tennessee. done. T- have we? No, I don't think so. Um, we need to. Nicole. Oh, Nicole is in Tennessee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nicole is in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. So Pennsylvania, we've done. Um, so we're we're trying to. Now we gotta we gotta we gotta well, find. No, some- we did New Jersey. We didn't do New York. We did New. What is Daniel? New York Red Bulls is technically New Jersey. Jersey. No, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we can count it as both. Okay, let's check, let's check, check it off as both. We'll check it off as both. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kyle's from New York. We'll, we'll Kyle's from him. New York, so we'll count Kyle as, as New York. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've, we've done a bunch of different things, and, and we're going to continue to do them. Um, you know, we're getting close. At some point soon in the next probably month or two, we're going to start planning out our what, what our one-year anniversary is going to be. Um, you know, that episode 52 is going to be pretty cool and special. So we're, we still got so we still got a ways to go, but we are less than 20 episodes away from that, which is pretty cool. So, uh, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.